Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening. Today I'm speaking with Tiffany Rick, CEO and founder of Hackware, a security awareness platform that's raised 2.6 million in funding. Tiffany, thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building there at Hackware, could we just start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background? Absolutely. I like to say that I'm a four-time founder. I'm a former ethical hacker, and I've spent 15 years merging my passion of innovation in cybersecurity. So that's me in a quick synopsis. And can you define for the listeners what an ethical hacker is? I think by the term, we can probably guess, but what's your definition of that? And talk us through what was that like being an ethical hacker? It it sounds cool. Thank you. It's basically a company would hire you because they want to make sure that they understand all of their vulnerabilities and they want you to go through the exercise of trying to break into their organization like a hacker would. And in my experience, it was looking at it from different levels because cybersecurity is broad. So I would first try to go the easy route, which is through phishing in email and, you know, seeing if someone would respond to my email message, and then get them to send me data versus me trying to find another way to get to that data. So that would be the first approach. And then the other approach is looking at their applications and systems and trying to see, is there a way that you can pull data out of their applications by continuously hitting their their application or their network? And will that cause it to give us something that we need to sort of move forward in our exercise? But yeah, that's typically you know, what an organization is looking for when they're working with an ethical hacker is they want to find these vulnerabilities first, patch them up so they can avoid being, you know, the latest company that's been in a breach in the headlines. Wow. Super interesting stuff. Now, what about CEOs that you admire? Is there a specific CEO that you really admire? And if so, who is it? And and what do you admire about them? This is a hard question for me because this is where I love, I love to spend my time researching greatness and researching leadership and founders. So it was really hard, but I could say what comes to mind first is Oprah Winfrey. She has always been an inspiration for me, just understanding first from her name and not assimilating and choosing a different name that could make her be more accepted in the business world. But For who I look at on the tech side is Jeff Bezos. And he helps me when I'm in a moment where start of life has sort of punched me in the gut. So I go back to, you know, looking at his early journey of when he started Amazon. And there's a picture of him in 1999 where he's at his desk by himself and he's on his computer. And I've spent many nights like that, but it helps me to remember that every massive company, which is what I'm trying to build, has started somewhere. And so you just have to keep going, keep building. And uh, those are the two founders that I look at. And you mentioned something there that I really like, that you like studying 
greatness. That's something that I spend my time doing as well. I love reading books that are not business related. I think there's some amazing athletes. There's you know, a lot of people in government. There's just a lot of amazing leaders in general who I think you know, are great and have done great things. Are there any non-business leaders that you really look up to and admire? Oh, oh this is a good one. I have a list, but I think I would start out with, so the other ones are in the sports world. Mm -hmm. I have two, and I'll just keep it at two. The first one is Phil Jackson, the former head coach of the Lakers and former head coach of the Chicago Bulls. I love him as a leader because he would try to understand his players' strengths and tap in and try to play to those strengths. But then also in the midst of chaos, he would always, he would be sitting on the bench when the players may be upset about something and the other coaches may be upset. And he was a stoic. Mm -hmm. And I look to that for inspiration because startups are chaotic. And I'm always trying to figure out how can I tap into Phil Jackson and be centered in the midst of chaos. And then my other inspiration is Serena Williams. I love, she's my shero. Like, I love how she has been able to dominate on the tennis court and embrace how she's different, really just zoom into, you know, um, not trying to assimilate again and just be who she is. And then she's moved from sports into the venture capital space and she's leading that. So those are my non-tech founders or leaders that inspire me. Nice. Those are two awesome examples. I've watched The Last Dance now probably like four or five times. It's such a good documentary and so inspirational. And then what's the movie about Serena Williams? I can't remember the name. I think it's Becoming Serena or Serena is self-titled in some way. Yeah, I watched that and it was so good and, and learned so much about the backstory there. So I love yeah. those examples. And I think it's fun to get outside of the tech business world sometimes. And I personally think I've learned probably more from studying, you know, athletes or just other people who are top of their field. I've learned more from studying them than I think I've learned from studying some of the more, you know, tech business leaders and, and things like that. So who in the non-tech world have you learned the most from? Ooh, that's a good question. So this could be controversial to some listening, but I really love Napoleon. So I'm like a Napoleon geek. I've studied a lot about him and I think he's a controversial figure, but he achieved a lot of things and had a major impact on the world. So I think he's my number one non-business person. Oh, that is good. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully no one yells at me after the podcast for uh, for saying that. I think some people in Europe don't feel so strongly towards him. <laughs> Now let's switch gears here and, and let's talk about Hackware. I know it's a, a super cool company. I had spent some time the last week on your website and was checking out everything that you're doing there. And I, I'm super excited about it. So could we just start with a high level overview of what you do and what the product does? Absolutely. I'm the founder and CEO of Hackware. And Hackware is a AI driven phishing simulation and security awareness platform. So we make it easy for lean IT teams to combat phishing, which is a top concern. And the way that it started, it started with me owning a consultancy that had a cybersecurity and managed service side. And the problem was we needed a way to automate our what's called red team, our red team operations. And basically that's what I mentioned before, which is ethical hacking. So a company would hire us to be able to want to know how a cyber criminal would get in, but it would take 
time and it would take resources to do that. And one of the things that I started seeing was that it didn't matter the size of the organization. It was always phishing was their biggest vulnerability. The employees didn't understand that we were not the brand or the person that they thought we were. And they were trusting to trusting and giving us access to too much information. And so I wanted to build a product that automated the work that we did and freed us up to do other things. So our team built this product to look at what are the phishing attacks that are happening and reuse that phishing content and then think about who in this customer organization would be most vulnerable to a phishing attack by looking at their social media and looking at where they are in their organization. And then from there, it's, okay, let's craft this phishing message. We know who we're going to send it to. And let's see if they respond and get those results and go from there. And, and so we built a product that automatically does this. It continuously learns from phishing threats, who's vulnerable, and uses generative AI to generate these phishing simulations that feel personalized and it does that at scale and then it trains them right in the moment when they have failed on how to correct their risky behavior. Wow, super cool. You know, we have more and more founders that come on the podcast who have a similar journey where they go from a professional services company, they really deeply learn about the problem, understand the problem and then build a technology solution to solve that problem. So that just seems like a very good approach to building a technology company, as opposed to, I think, you know, some of the other startups that are out there more the traditional path would be to say, okay, we're going to solve a problem. We maybe don't know too much about it, but we're going to solve this problem. We're going to raise money, then go out and build. So I love that transition from professional services to technology solutions. But I also think that's a very hard transition to make when you go from being professional services to a tech solution. So what was that transition like for you? And, and what did you learn along the way? It was really easy for me because I'm a four-time founder and all of my companies before that were product businesses. In the service side, it wasn't where I wanted to be. I just ran out of product ideas, but I knew that I had some skills that I could use to help other companies with their problems and challenges. And the shift to this product was easy because I had been looking. I was looking for what our next product was going to be. Services wasn't my jam. And so once I found that this product was solving a real problem for me, I tested it out on other companies in Texas, in the United States, in the Dallas, Texas area, who fit the same profile as Hackware initially as a professional service company. It worked well for them and they were willing to pay for it. And that's when I knew that I was ready to shift towards a product-driven company versus service. I love it. This show is brought to you by Frontlines Media, a podcast production studio that helps B2B founders launch, manage, and grow their own podcast. Now, if you're a founder, you may be thinking, I don't have time to host a podcast. I've got a company to build. Well, that's exactly what we built our service to do. You show up and host, and we handle literally everything else. To set up a call to discuss launching your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. Now, back to today's episode. Now, let's talk a bit more about the problem. So, Every day I open my phone and I hear about a new breach, another company's been hacked. It's, you know, to the point where I'm just numb with my personal data being out there because I've been, you know, pwned so many times. I go to that website, have I been pwned? And it's like a list of 20 times. So breaches, hacks are everywhere. 
Can you give us an idea of what percentage of them are a result of fishing? Absolutely. I can tell you this. There's 3.4 billion phishing emails that are sent every single day. And when we talk about the 99% of businesses, which are small and mid-market, 71% of them have had a phishing attack that has led them into a ransomware attack on their organization. So it's a huge problem. And then the, the leading cause for why we are so focused on people and their impact on cybersecurity is because they are the 85% of humans are the cause of a cybersecurity outbreak. So it's a real problem that is growing every single day and businesses are feeling the pain more and more, which is why we're seeing that there are cybersecurity requirements for insurance that are saying you have to make sure that your people are aware of the evolving phishing attacks. They are sometimes saying that they need people to have phishing simulations training, security awareness training. And then also we're seeing just industries that we work in are saying you need to make sure that you don't ignore the problem, you address the problem head on. And then our the United States government has made it very clear that this is a huge problem and we all have to uh, do our part. And when it comes to solving that problem, what does it look like? Like, how do you teach someone to be security aware and to be on the lookout for these types of things? There's a couple ways that you do it, but there's the idea, first you have to, with some learners, you have to combat the idea that they are vulnerable because there's sometimes this thought process that I think I, I know how to identify a phishing attack. I think I'm really good at that. I'm tech savvy. And we got a lot of tech people on here, but engineers are the worst. Like they are the ones who they really believe that they are not susceptible to phishing. And the way that you combat that bias is you have to show them. So you have to, that's why the phishing simulations are important because it helps you to have that aha moment that, ah, there is an opportunity here where I do need to learn because I feel a little pain here. And so this is what's triggering me to learn how I can make sure that I correct my risky behavior. So that's one driver. And then the other driver to making people aware is that you have to do this training continuously. It's almost like you're trying to build a muscle and the way that we learn is through continuous engagement and interaction. And that's how you your retention of the information increases. So those are just some key ways that you can really make an impact with humans and how they can fight alongside the security team to protect themselves in their organization. And something I'd love to highlight there is just, you know, that idea that companies have that this isn't something that they need to worry about. So mm -hmm. this was, you know, for my company, Frontlines Media, I think it was like 2018, 2019, we had an attempt where someone was pretending to be me, emailed all of our employees and said, hey, you know, I'm in a meeting right now, but I need you to go out and like buy gift cards or, or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I sat there and just was mind blown. You know, we're a tiny little you know, PR firm and, and media company. I didn't think anyone even would care about us. And yet there's someone, you know, spending the time and energy and resources to try to hack us or, you know, fool our employees into doing something that they shouldn't do. And that was a real wake up call for me to say, wow, it, it's not just, you know, Target and uh, nope. Equifax and these big companies. It's, you know, everybody. And that's, that's super interesting. 
Are you seeing that people are getting that idea now? Like, are you seeing that customers are more aware to the idea that everyone's at risk? Absolutely. And I see it because the risk has gone up. So when the risk has gone up and the attacks have, and we all know someone who has been victim of a phishing attack. So one of the things that I've seen is that, you know, smaller companies have become a more educated buyer. They understand why they need security awareness. They understand that there's a stat that says, you know, small business are willing to spend 44% more when they feel like they have the right size cybersecurity solution. And so they know that they need it. They know what is working, what isn't working. They're doing the research to understand how a potential company could be different from another. So I'm seeing that definitely in the small business space, these business owners are becoming educated buyers. And let me make sure that I'm speaking correctly. And it's with cybersecurity products that hit their pain point. Like they're not an educated buyer on some of these more complex solutions like managed detection and response solution, MDR. They're not that educated on those solutions. It's more along the lines of the solutions that impact, I think, their day-to-day. So they know that they need a virtual private network. There many business owners are can tell you a vendor who sells a VPN. They know that they need a password manager. They know a vendor in that space, antivirus and malware solutions, security awareness. So those are the, the areas where I feel like the mid-market and small business companies really are trying to uh, make sure that they're purchasing the right type of solutions for them. And something else I see on your website is it talks about saving money and there's a, a cost savings there. Can you just talk us through that? Yeah. So with security awareness, what's broken in that space is it does require someone to run those solutions. It requires someone to understand, well, how am I going to test our users this month? And you have to craft that phishing email. Then from there, you have to understand which users have failed that phishing email and then enroll them into some sort of training to get them to improve. But oftentimes, getting people to do something that is not within their role and daily responsibilities, it becomes a challenge. And so time is spent reminding them that I need you to complete this training and I need you to get it done within a certain time frame. All of that takes man hours. It takes labor hours. And what we're seeing with our platform, with our AI-driven solutions, we're automating many of these manual tasks where it would take 40 labor hours a week to run those other solutions when a lot of our users are letting the automation work for them where they're spending one hour a month just reviewing the results of the training and trying to get a better understanding of how their organization overall is improving. Wow. I'm sure that's impactful now too, as you know, obviously everyone's concerned about security, but every company is also worried about burn and spend and, yeah. and saving money when they can. So I love that you're able to tie those two together. I'm sure that's very powerful and I'm sure that's helped you when it comes to getting these deals across the line. 
Absolutely. That's where the wow factor of our product comes in. They like that finally someone has understood that we don't want to build content. We want to address our root issue, which is phishing. And we want to make sure that it's training our users and we want it to feel real and evolve with what's happening in the threat landscape. So we get a lot of users who are saying, I can't believe how real this email is. How did you do this? Um, how did you know to, to use this person in my network? It's been really exciting to see how people are excited about a cybersecurity platform. <laughs> and are there any numbers and metrics that you can share that just highlight some of the growth that you're seeing? Yeah. So for us, we've been growing 92% year over year, and that is through customers, bringing customers on the platform with sales. Our leadership is well-respected in this space where we're able to, from a relationship standpoint, bring on partners onto our platforms who respect our channel chief. We have a CTO who is a patent holder and has had multiple exits. And we just have a team that has grown throughout this United States. We have customers in seven different countries who are enjoying our AI-driven security awareness platform. And we're working with top distributors as well. So it's been a fun and exciting time where we're seeing amazing growth year over year. And 2023 is going to be a great year. And what are you doing to rise above the noise? I, I feel like I've seen a number of other platforms that I'm sure don't do exactly what you do, but they are trying to address and solve this problem. So it seems like there's some noise in this space. What do you think you're getting right? And how are you rising above all that noise? For us, it's about getting really focused on our customer and their pain and just really targeting that and continuously building fast and compounding our work. We release software updates at least once a week. So there's a lot of noise, but we're really focused on, you know, making sure that these managed service providers, these professional service companies who are making the decisions for the 99%, which is the small admin market, that we have a solution that meets their needs. And so when we focus really, really on that demographic, we only have three competitors, but we're just really just dialing in on the pain and, and making sure that our customers love our platform. And last question for you here before we wrap, let's zoom out three to five years into the future. What's the company look like then? So we're focused on integrations and really learning human risk across the board. And the way that I see Hackware five years from now is we're going to be that authority that's going to be able to tell an organization, to tell the world about here is a person who has previously been a part of a breach. They are potentially susceptible to future breaches. We have a full picture on just how they have interacted in the digital world. They'll have a score like we have with our credit score and we'll have characteristics about, you know, this person's potential risk and really just trying to mitigate that risk in whatever platform that they're on. We're going to continue to evolve and move into digital spaces and we're going to continue to want to communicate and work in those spaces. And Hackware wants to be able to identify that risk and mitigate it wherever people are. Amazing. I love it. 
that's all we're going to have time to cover for today. I'd love to keep you on and keep asking you questions, but we'll have to save that for part two. Before we wrap up here, if people want to follow along with your journey as you continue to build, where should they go? You can find me on LinkedIn, Tiffany Ricks, and you can learn more about what we're building at Hackware by looking us up on LinkedIn and Hackware.com. Awesome. Tiffany, thank you so much for taking the time to chat and talk about what you're building and really educate our audience. This has been a blast and I'll be rooting for you and hope to have you back on in a couple of years to talk about all the success you've had. Thank you, Brett. This has been fun. All right. Keep in touch. This episode of Category Visionaries is brought to you by Frontlines Media, Silicon Valley's leading podcast production studio. If you're a B2B founder looking for help launching and growing your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. And for the latest episode, search for Category Visionaries on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. 